0: Hello, Namaste, everyone. I welcome it all to this forty-seventh session of Guruvada. I dedicate this and all of my at the holy feet of Dr. H. N. Shyamkrupa. So, uh, coming right into the topic, there was a big debate with respect to the role of uh, Ayurveda organizations in the betterment of Ayurveda doctors' professional life and career. They are useful or they are. Uh, not useful. So these are organizations or so private organizations. They are there at the level of district, at the level of state and also, if I'm not wrong, they are there at the level of uh, national uh, level as well. So Gurathya sir, you have been active in uh, uh, many of such organizations uh, really helping in the conduction of continuing medica- medical education episodes, CMEs and assets so uh, can you please uh, introduce the role of uh, these organizations in, uh, in the professional career of an ayurveda doctor uh, can you please explain about what to expect from these state level national level organization from the view of an ayurveda doctor so, very clearly we should understand what is the utility
1: or uh, what is the significance of these associations the association is to bring together the people of like-mindedness and it, associations are required when there is a common trouble to everyone so when there is certain common trouble to everyone then that trouble or an issue has to be addressed it cannot be addressed singly or it cannot be addressed by just one person or two person then we require representation and all those things for example if there is an issue we need to approach to Higher authorities are political persons, are the people in the government. If you are approaching the government in a single white paper with some representation, they will just ignore it. If in a letterhead of an association, if you are presenting your problem or you are suggesting certain things to be modified, the, the act or the law, whatever it is being going to be uh, enacted then definitely it has its own impact. Even the, the people from the lower state of society, they also have their own associations. Association is meant for not the personal things or personal gains. It is a common platform to show the community, or the people in the power or government, that if something goes against them, they have a unity and they'll approach you in a legal manner. And moreover, if an association is there, then we can represent our feelings, our thoughts, our opinions our suggestions to the government in a rightful manner. Moreover, if a matter goes to court, then if you want to approach a court, then individually approach that is entirely different. The expenses are approaching and handling of legal issues will be much more. If an issue is there, then definitely that's a common issue, then everybody will go to the court. Then To represent those people, we'll have an association and the association will definitely play its role in whatever the way legal fight has to be done. When it comes to the question of individual problems, certain times, the people, those who are at the receiving end, the individuals who made or violated or said to be violated some of the acts or rules and regulations, they are facing the wrath of the legal community or the police or something like that until unless they have a critical data or a very clear information about those things the people won't come to raid you of course that is also violation that is another part of it but for that sake you cannot blame the associations the utility of association is entirely different for the different purpose and different cause if an individual for example you should not hold back or you should not have an accumulation of a contraband item in your house and if you are done it and you expect that uh, young, uh, you have been caught or you are violated and a case has been registered against you and you expect that uh, association come in fight for you totally wrong objection association will give you moral support and a legal support whatever it is required And but that uh, fight has to be fought by the individual because it's a problem of that particular individual only. If a common problem is there, then definitely everybody will fight and the association come into a big role. If, any, if a member of an association, if has any problem, there will be a lot of legal issues which he or she has violated and without brought to the notice of the association. And at the later stage, expect that association should come to help. That is not a genuine way of uh, argument. So whatever it may be, associations are required we have an association of Arabic doctors at the level of national level some strong associations at the level of state level and their branches accordingly all over India so they are all representing in various uh, type of uh, common problems and legal representation whatever the things to be done they are doing it but when it comes to individual thing of course that is an individual issue individual problem Moral support and legal support can be sought by the association but fight has to be uh, fought
0: by the, the individual that we should bear in mind. If there is any alleged illegal activity conducted by the doctor or he has broken some rule then even the strongest of the organization cannot help directly. They can show their support, maybe provide some documentation or show the path, maybe guide to a good doc, a lawyer. All those things but once uh, uh, someone has done some alleged illegal thing so it becomes the individual responsibility of the doctor to fight uh, probably with a uh, little help from whatever he can get from the association and do, do you think that so many laws to be uh, uh, followed by an ayurveda doctor you know there is this waste management there is a uh, uh, you know, Recently, uh, High Court said that you know, either the practitioners, especially in India, uh, they can uh, prescribe emergency medicines. There is also a lot of confusion state-wise. There are some uh, rules and there is also tug-of-war uh, going on. And there are business-related taxes to be filed. So there are so many ways. And also there, is, there can be human resource issues with respect to man management, all those things. So, do you think it's a good idea for an Ayurvedic doctor to have uh, contact with a good good lawyer so that he can always check whether you know something going on is legal or illegal before he does something? Definitely, uh, an Ayurvedic doctor needs to understand
1: certain rules and regulations. When we are practicing, we should follow the set of activities and even the rules and regulations laid down by the government are the boards concerned authority authorities that needs to be followed we cannot say that it is not a right thing or i will do whatever i want that cannot be holds good for example an ayurvedic doctor in his premises storing an allopathic drug in a beyond certain excessive quantities it is an illegal one what the law says or act says even storing an allopathic drug by an allopathic doctor in his premises, is also not permitted. When something which is not permitted for an allopathic doctor, how can they expect that it should be allowed or freed for an ayurvedic doctor? So certain type of these type of uh, violation of the drugs and cosmetic act and certain things are there. Then nobody can help because you have done a mistake uh, that is also a grave mistake, which should not be done many times associations gives suggestions or gives an ideas that um, what, what should be done or what should not be done then all those ideas and suggestions will be set aside or kept kept aside and simply you followed what the way you want then ultimately when something goes wrong and some raid conducts by you by based on any complaint or something like that then ultimately if a police complaint taken place and then you come to and such an odd uh, situation and you expect that uh, every association could should come and fight for them that is not a right uh, way of doing things of course associations usually don't leave them association definitely follows them and association definitely genuine ideas moral support legal support and if time um, uh, requires even certain level of uh, unimaginable supports can be gathered from the whatever the because sometimes even the political people help or suggestions their words can also bring the change places that type of things are also done by the association many a times those who complain regarding these association that in bad time they didn't help them they were never member of these associations they never paid the annual fees they never approached the cmes are the regular activities of the association they will not be there in in any of the activities of the association but when they're in trouble they expect that association should come to their help this is literally not expected out of an engineering profession or professionalism so if you are a profession in a professionalism then you should have some ethics to be followed and you should also follow the association norms and regulations so if such things are uh, done definitely associations will be there because see for example now there is one slp going in the supreme court for that uh, one of the national level association is fighting as one of the respondent and for that lakhs of rupees have been utilized it is in favor of integrated uh, system of practice that's what recently that the madras high court has given a verdict when I college trained uh, practitioner can prescribe allopathic medicines or use allopathic medicines to a certain extent with the advanced based on the teaching and training, but he cannot totally do allopathic practice. It is also very clear cut line uh, that suggestion has come. And of course it depends on the state rules and regulations. It, it's not a common uh, throughout the country, depending upon the state rules and regulations are related with the health practices, and certain boards and terms and conditions that needs to be
0: used or it may be followed overall probably the, the takeaway things are two one is that a doctor's uh, relationship with an association is always two ways so one is that he has to be active member uh, attend CMEs or participate in uh, the association activities because other members who are there they are also ayurveda doctors they are also busy but um, while forming a community they're trying to help each other and help themselves also. So it is the responsibility of an Ayurveda doctor to be active and pay the annual fees and be active in the organization. Then he can expect some sort of help uh, with respect to support and all those things. And another point is that just because we have done BAMS and we are like Ayurveda practitioner, we are the flag bearers of ancient Samhitas, we are uh, trying all means possible to help our patients with the ancient knowledge of Ayurveda that doesn't mean that uh, we are not considered as part of the business ecosystem so we are just a part of business ecosystem and the legal authorities may not respect us just because we come from a traditional healthcare system so there is a legal system, there are rules to be followed so we had to follow rules uh, so those are the takeaways, sir definitely, even uh, many times the people
1: uh, think that uh, it is doesn't apply to us uh, something like that. It is not so. When you are registered under and um, certain board and certain uh, practices to be followed, this say some authorities to judge who is a very genuine hundred percent Ayurveda practitioner, who is a mixed practitioner, who is a integrated practitioner, who is a practitioner. So there are certain problems. That's why they have made some common rule. But even at certain times, so even I have certain uh, doubts how can be somebody who is a pure Ayurveda practitioner, but still we have certain set of uh, problems that claiming that we don't generate um, biomedical waste is also a not right thing because when we are examining a patient for a uh, bottom cases, piles and fistula or fissures, something like that, we don't examine the directly without using the mm-hmm. gloves. We'll also use gloves while examining. So then after the examination is over, the gloves become a part of the biomedical waste. We use in wound management, some swabs. After the cleaning and all those things, they become a part of biomedical waste. Similarly, in case of pervaginal examination, then also they use gloves. We use douche. We use many other such therapies. Even in panchakarma, after that, there are certain biomedical waste generated. So it is not right to say that we don't generate biomedical waste. We too generate biomedical waste, but they are in a different manner. For example, we are giving in biomedical, I mean, uh, panchakarma treatment, some disposable items, mm, something for piece. So all these things after the usage, they become a part of the biomedical waste that needs to be mm, disposed in a scientific manner. So for that all reasons, we should also have that biomedical waste management. We cannot say that we don't generate. But there are certain people who just simply do Nadi Pariksha and simply prescribe those things. They can be get exempted based on an affidavit. If they produce an affidavit to the government saying that we are doing in a different manner and we don't produce any biomedical waste, then we should be exempted from these things. That, that can be taken, can be taken and that can be included. And a provision should be made in the
0: act for these type of entities. Know the rules and follow the rules. If you have any exception, file an affidavit then things will be taken care so all in all it is purely the responsibility of the Ayurveda doctor himself to take care that he pays the taxes, follows the rules with respect to biomedical waste or any other provisions in the uh, practitioners act and the, the local rules uh, state level rules uh, all those things are to be followed uh, it, it is a responsibility for us as an Ayurveda doctor to follow. Uh, So moving on to the next question. This was asked in one of the previous classes. Like, What type of exercise would you recommend to improve Agni, but not to vitiate Vata and Pitta Dosha? Uh, Any type of exercise or Vyayama, we know that it it increases Agni. And also to some extent, any type of exercise will also increase Vata and Pitta Dosha but is there any form of exercise or uh, level of exercise that can be done without vitiating or increasing Vata and Pitta because in some people Vata and Pitta might be naturally high. So what is the solution, sir, please?
1: See, simply we cannot uh, say that uh, to improve the Agni. First of all, we in every situation we need to customize the things. For example, Agni is vitiated. We need to understand and uh, identify Agni is being vitiated by which dosha. Whether the person is, the person is suffering from Vishma Agni, Tikshna Agni, Manda Agni, which type of Agni, whether it is a Vata, Pitta, Kapha is influenced. That we need to understand. Then only we can say that. So for example, with this question, what they've been uh, framed, based on it accepts that the person wants to increase the Agni, but it should not increase Pitta and Vata. Once again, it is very clear that Pitta and Vata of a person is not same as Pitta and Vata of other person. So there will be difference in their percentages or whatever the you in the makeup of a total 100% of the body. So we cannot simply claim that a particular type of uh, Vyayama or something like will be increasing the Agni. It is entirely different, Deform pattern we cannot apply, point number one. The other one is particularly. Any physical activity, it may be walking, it may be jogging, it may be running, it may be swimming. All these will definitely increase the Agni. In a order to increase the Agni, we need to keep at control or a check and balance. It should not even done beyond particular level. If you do it beyond particular level, then the Vata and Pitta may get aggravated because of that. Our intention was to improve the Agni, then we need to have a clear-cut understanding that how long or how far or how much we should do it. That can be done by simply doing it and cutting it down, somewhere down the line. Where to stop it? That needs to be understood. Once Agni has become good and person is feeling hungry, it is enough not to increase your physical activity. Then eat something, then only you can go for uh, physical activity further later. So this is the way we need to understand that simply without uh, some activity is done, Vata and Pitta won't increase, but still Agni increases. That type of things are not possible. Whenever you improve your Agni, definitely Vata and Pitta has increased to some extent. That will be... In a normal range,
0: it is not the abnormal range. We should understand this. And a follow-up question for that: In case of like a, a naturally high pitta person who is of pitta prakriti, and he will be sweating more, and he cannot tolerate any heat at all, uh, and if he is going to a gym or yoga center, do you recommend using air condition for that person? First of all, select. Uh, why a person
1: one who is excessively sweating and is having a strong pitta person why he wants to go for a gym for what purpose a strong pitta person cannot have a bulky medas in his body to tone up his body He can't and he can't uh, naturally prakriti of pitta person will not be having a very toned body comparatively because continuously there is a sweating then Sweating, you know that it's a part of uh, medas or the mala of the medas. Pitta dominant person cannot be having a much of bulk of meda in his body. That's point number one. Second thing, cooling off by using AC and all those things. To some extent it can be done. But once it breaches a natural point, then that needs to be stopped. AC should be put off. Once your body becomes calm and uh, your um, sweating has been stopped, then you put on the AC also, then continue the work. But if the AC setup is like that. It will be sealed uh, chamber something totally. You cannot switch on switch off in that fashion that maybe sometimes you are needed to open the windows and sometimes you need to close the windows that you need to adjust accordingly. Or otherwise maintain the proper temperature not too low or not too high something like that can be done but for a pitta strong pitta person who is already sweating a lot what is the necessity of going to gym person of such nature is having any bulky methods are in the body or abnormal shape it's a big question we need to study the person's constitution in total then accordingly, we should plan
0: and we should suggest what should be best for him and what should not be done. Thank you, there, sir. This question was regarding the uh, oil massage. When someone is undergoing full body oil massage, whether the massage should start from the head or from the feet. Uh, or if the pa- patient has pain, we should start from the that painful area and then cover the rest of the body so that the uh, that, that area is exposed to the oil for a longer period of time. So, what should be the strategy, sir? See, that depends. It doesn't mean that it should be done in the... first.
1: Because um, uh, Panchakarma or Abhyanga therapies will be doing it in it quite two two different um, conditions. One is to ward off the diseases in that condition we are using. So Abhyanga is uh, being done in which category that needs to be understand first. Your person is uh, subjected for Abhyanga, As a Purvakama, in case of a particular dosha nivanartha or the seasonal cleansing or detoxification or something like that, then you can start the Uttamanga and spread all over the body, no issues. If a person is coming there for a particular type of pain area like uh, IDP or maybe knee joint pain or osteoarthritis, Sandivartha, particular type of things, then definitely we need, no, we don't want to start it or we don't need to start from the head. We can start the Abhanga at the place where it is required more. From there you can select a different part of the body. And there is no hard and fast rule that it should be done in this fashion only. The intention of doing Abhanga is every part of the body should be smeared with a particular type of oil in a particular warmth condition and some soothing strokes of abhyanga or massaging should be done and the area which is having more pain should be <clears throat> subjected for little more extra time
0: with the those vatahara oils so yeah, that is the only intention So the question is that if a patient is taking medicine for hypertension can he take triphala uh, triphala is such a medicine which is called as rasayana in nature and usually
1: it doesn't interfere with many of the medications as such because uh, they are going uh, very um, fundamentally, they are very good to the body and they are supporting the body in, uh, in a, you know in a pro-metabolic way. If you have any doubt that it may interfere, being in such doubts, then just give a half an hour gap between those two drugs, that triphala and
0: that particular hypertension drug, nothing will happen. Are there any kind of list of herbs that while we are using we should be careful about probably which are say pro-raktapitta which can potentially cause raktapitta uh, like chitraka or bhallataka they can probably increase blood pressure and also there are like lavana bhaskara uh, churna which contains the five salts which can potentially increase blood pressure because it contains salt uh, so do, do you have any uh, recommendation like list of herbs in which we should be careful? definitely what i mentioned is very right that particularly chitraka
1: or even the ballataka and even to some extent longali and these type of drugs we should be very careful in even kupilo to some extent whenever a patient is in a hypertensive and is only already, already on drugs and we need to avoid all those like hingvastaka we need to avoid lavanabaskara even uh, So, there are so many things which contain lavana and ksharas. That type of things needs to be avoided to some extent. Because that may influence the or even harm the efficacy of
0: the other drug. And also probably we should take care uh, when the uh, blood pressure is controlled by an an allopathic drug. And for example, we are advising say Sarpaganda or Jatamamsi which can further lower the blood pressure and may potentially cause hypotension as well?
1: Nothing, nothing like that because I have got so many such patients, those who are taking both allopathic as well as ayurvedic and they are taking the allopathic drug in the morning and in the afternoon and the night where they are taking the ayurvedic drugs. Nothing will happen with these combination only, their blood pressure is under control if they are disallow anyone in that maybe if they stop allopathic drug or if they stop aerobic drugs also then their hypertension i mean the blood pressure values will be altered and it will always registered in a higher level I come across such type of things where an allopathic drug being taken like tell me kind or something like that which is uh, so branded medicines of tell me Along with that, then something uh, new medicine from Ayurveda containing or chandrapushpi, is it can may cause some problem. No, no such issues I have found in my
0: years of uh, practice. You are talking is about uh, a planned inclusion of Ayurvedic medicine to decrease blood pressure in, in a therapeutic way. But I am talking about, for example, a person who is taking uh, say atenolol 50 mg and his blood pressure is in normalcy. And he has a sleep issues, and so then we introduce sarpaganda. Then should we be careful or not?
1: Definitely, in
0: that situation we need to be
1: careful because even in that issues it is better to select a, such a drug which doesn't cause a very strong hypertension effect. So in that line, if you think that our drugs sarpaganda is very effective in reducing the blood pressure when compared to Jetamamse or Shankapushpi or something like that. So, whenever there is an, a person who is already taking in some antihypertensive drugs from the allopathic or medicine and his uh, uh, blood pressure is almost into normalcy, he also has issues with uh, sleep disorders, then it is better to go with the Shankapushpi or Jetamamse or such type of drugs
0: rather than using Sarpaganda. And also, it becomes confusing. Sometimes, uh, especially the hypertensive people, what I have seen is that we ask like whether your BP is normal, they'll say normal and during the course of interrogation, sometimes later they say that I take this one medicine and then BP is normal. So case taking becomes very important, sir. So definitely case taking and
1: dragging the information from the mouth of the patient is very, very important. And many times they give the information, they feel it is not significant for a doctor. It is very significant. That is an issue. And many times, the, whatever the patient says cannot be 100% true. He says something different. For example, when I ask my patient, what is the color of your stools? He will say, normal color, sir. What do you mean by the normal color? Then I ask you, come on, tell me what is the color, some color you should uh, tell. Then he says, the same normal green color, sir. So according to him, the normal stool color is green. So we cannot simply um, accept what the, whatever the patient says because maybe because of their illiteracy or maybe because of some other issues or maybe so many such type of things. So leave aside, only we need to take wherever particular uh, issues need to be addressed accordingly, then we need to give sub-questions and uh, other uh, questioning is required to get the information. Otherwise, they will have a lot of uh, confusing answers and as well as even something wrong answers we fight as their um, important uh, information. So that we need to be very careful in handling those type of information. So that's why
0: taking a history from a patient is very, very important. And also probably it's good for us to ask for the uh, like allopathic uh, case sheet or allopathic medicine list that they are taking. So that it is very black and white what they are taking and where we are intervening. So
1: Definitely. Uh, we need to ask every patient that what are the other medication he is taking and they'll give you the list of medications. It is even in my practice, I just take the list and then I'll say which I need to be taken and which need to be stopped immediately or which should be tapered slowly. All those instructions I usually I'll give and what are the other medications should be taken in what way and how far we should keep apart these two medicines, uh, different uh, set of medicines, different kind of medicines. Usually half an hour to 40 minutes separation, I usually make. That whenever you uh, take a chemical medicine, within first half an hour, it will get disintegrated and gets absorbed into the system. Then afterwards, if you take an ayurvedic medicine or something like that, it won't come in the contact, I mean, there will be no physical drug-drug interaction. So there's a chance of any
0: drug-related uh, issues will be very, very less. Coming to the question that has come in the comment, like what is your view on the fitness concept of training, according to you, between gym and yoga? which is the most appropriate way people uh, should follow. Ayurveda says Alka Shakti Vyayama, whereas nowadays techniques like cardio push-ups uh, are where people tend to go beyond their physical ca- capacities in order to achieve their ideal body figures. Like if someone is taking a particular supplement or say he's using Masha, for example, or Mamsarasa or such other things in particularly to improve his muzzle bulk can he exercise exercise beyond the Ardha shakti or half strength
1: so. see first of all me to understand the difference between uh, gym cardio push-ups and all these things with that of yoga just to go back and observe in the history or news cuttings anywhere that have you heard any time that a person xyz was doing his yoga and he collapsed and died nowhere but we have seen so many cases doing in gym push-ups and workouts and later collapsed so you just based on that assess yourself which is safer to the body where we need to put an end to the physical exertion so we should be very careful a gym may make your body uh, somewhat beautiful or attractive or something bulky or something like that but it has its own negative effects also there will be certain reflexes, as well as a certain movements will be restricting. Once you do it, prone for the gym and you make a body bulk in such a way. And other way, one who has a, a regularly practicing yoga, has a much more flexibility than the person one who is going to yoga. And moreover, uh, we never heard that a person who is regularly doing yoga, collapsed somewhere while doing yoga or died due to the wrong doings of the yoga. But we have seen and we have heard even latest uh, examples are also there. Those who are doing excessive cardiac activities and push-ups and work-ups and weight lifts and all those things, they injured themselves. And even sometimes the death has been, become a very part of uh, that uh, gym process. So that's why it is better to understand the concept of gym as well as concept of regular healthy body by using or doing yoga. So that's the reason we need to go for what the concept of Ayurveda says yaya ardashakti once there is a um, arda shakti of a person who is lost
0: and feeling sort of tired stop the things don't do further especially in this post covid world sportsman uh, someone was playing badminton and he, and he collapsed and there are like uh, many instances where football players collapsed and almost died uh, this incidence has become so very uh, rapid that that uh, there's a new term coined by US FDA or WHO that uh, it caused like sudden death syndrome in adolescence. Considering all these things, yoga looks like a, a better batch, sir. Definitely. Yoga has got uh, see, it has got some
1: slowness in its activity or movements, and it has got feel uh, more flexibility and more uh breathing activity we are, while doing yoga we don't you know hold the breath but while doing all other gym and activities we many a times try to hold the breath so when holding the breath and doing the things may definitely cause a problem that's why i don't favor that you go for a gym and do it you can do gym but to a little extent it should not be made as a primary one to shape up your body to have a healthy and a flexible body you need to go for a yoga protocol every day that will be good for you
0: thank you sir and uh, there's another question probably we have already answered this according uh, sir can can ayurveda doctors prescribe vitamin supplements like vitamin d b12 etc after doing investigation uh, the question is like on the legal angle uh, your thoughts on this sir? Uh, prescribing uh,
1: supplements like vitamin d and b and c and all these things technically there are a certain set of uh, drugs and cosmetic rules and which are different from place to place and country to country but when in india we get all medicines even the prescribed medicines are also sold at the counter or a medical counter even without a prescription i don't think so there should not be any issue and if you are prescribing in a proper manner with the proper dosage i don't think so there should not be any legal consequence or problem particularly with respect to vitamin um, B12 or D or C,
0: something like that, uh, supplements. Moving on to the next topic, the question is like, uh, I'm curious to know how everyone here is following the path of swastasya swastaya rakshanam. What is the, the take on what regimen, herbs, formulations that can be taken on a daily basis to avoid diseases, deficiencies, pain and age gracefully? Uh, in this part, the regimen part is like very clear, uh, you know, all major Samhitas, especially Ashtangarudya, Astanga Sangraha and Charak Samhita describe the Swastavruta, Healthy Daily Regimen in, in, in the Sutrasthana it, itself, so starting from Abhyanga to Vyayama to Snana, Dhumapana, Nasya, all Anjana, all those things are pretty much laid out. So coming to the herbs and formulations that can be taken on a, a daily basis to avoid so which can be taken on a daily basis and we should not be taken on a daily basis uh i got this list from Asanga
1: astanga uh,
0: probably eighth chapter so he clearly explains that food that can be Consume and cannot be consumed in a day. There are certain foods which cannot be consumed daily and there, there are foods that can be consumed daily. Whereas, can you please go through the list and break it down for us, sir? Yeah, definitely. Kilata is a dairy preparation,
1: uh, foodstuff made from vacuum, like something like that, paneer or cheese, something like that, which can be from the dairy and uh, it cannot be continuously or daily, it should not be consumed. If you daily are consuming it, then definitely it is going to cause a lot of issues. Similarly, the dhikurcha, the solid part of the curds and of course the curds should not be taken in um, night time and so many such restrictions are already laid down in the text. Then, ksharas and alkalis, if you continuously take, then it will be in uh, Shandatva and napumsakarta. There are so many issues. And even uh, wali Palita will form. So many issues have been explained. Then, uh, similarly, the fermented gruel, you cannot con- daily consume a fermented gruel. And of course, moolak, uncooked radish, consuming daily may also leads to issues. Then um, particularly the one those emaciated animals, meat, are consuming something like that. So such uh, things are there. Of course, we are living in a presently in a different world where uh, we can't understand from which animal the meat is being taken out and how it was, whether it is a krisha animal or emaciated or if it is a hefty or bulky animal. And so many things are there. That before the animal is being slaughtered, uh, something is fed to that animal, and even um, some uh, vitamins and some even uh, steroids are fed to the animal to increase the bulk of the muscle and so many things. So anyhow, these things are with related to the olden times, the torture. As I said, these are the thing to be avoided, and it should not be consumed daily. The dry meat, or the which is called as um, dried uh, non-vegetarian, are the um, part of it. Of course, nowadays even uh, dried, uh, non vegetarian materials are also available back and dried fish or something like that, you can get it. So there are so many things which should not be consumed on a daily basis. That should be kept in mind and that's only the list as a Dishan given
0: by our Acharya's. A uh, plenty of more things can be added to that with present situations. I, I put on the next slide in which it shows, it shows like a uh, meat of boar, sheep, cow, fish and buffalo are also not to be taken. Can you please see that sir? See, consuming daily the non-vegetarian diet at
1: the Guru Ahara, one has to have at least a very good quality of Agni, otherwise it will be very very difficult to digest and when the things will not be digested properly it leads to Ama and Ama is there then definitely leads to dosic vitiation and results in diseases. That's the reason we should not consume all these things on a daily basis. Once in a while it's okay. Similarly, the Masha or the black gram, um, those who consume daily idli and daily those are something like that are made up of that uh, black gram udad dal or something like that daily on a basis definitely end up in lot of uh, allergic related uh, manifestation including the skin conditions. Similarly, so many people consume particularly they consume lot of rhizomes of lotus, brunala or bisa of course it is available in particular season they consume it but it should not be consumed on a daily basis and of course very clearly it is said the virul dhanya it is germinated seeds or grains it should not be consumed that's the reason very clearly we say we avoid in patients uh, particularly this they'll ask sir can i soak this and get uh, germinated uh, grains can be taken i clearly suggest them not to consume we can uh, soak the material like that uh, the onions are the uh, is what we call it as a dichotlidans but there is a plenty of uh, things you can um, soak it but before they get germinated, you can use them and similarly, the variety of uh, barley or aryava, yavaka or they call it as that should not be consumed on a daily basis so similarly, they are related to the yavaka that is what, presently, everybody is started using that siridhany and all those things they also fall under this area of yavaka and all these things. Particularly those type of millets, even though they are good to the body, it is good only those who are in prameha, those who are in bulky body, or medasvi, or excessive fat in them, they should consume it. Not a ruksha, emaciated, or one who so is a krisha, karshita, such type of people should not consume these things. If you consume these things, it will increase the vata inside the body, and more pain, and more stiffness, and rigidity, and everything will start. So we need to avoid these things. That's the reason. Very clearly, acharyas have listed all those things which some of them are very dominantly increase the pitta, some of them very dominantly increase the kapha, some of them very prominently increase the vata. So all those been listed in here and named it as they should not be consumed daily because they are having a potential to increase the doshas to a stronger levels. So
0: that's the reason they are listed these things. Sir, and uh, a little bit disappointing inclusion here is like black gram. Uh, one of the very highly nourishing uh, of all the grains, uh, but probably the I- issue is with digestion, sir? Definitely, it is not a
1: samana Prathya Dravya, it is a Michitra <coughs> Dravya. And this black gram definitely increases the kapha as well as pitta inside the body. To see those two combinations leads to a lot of allergies and reaching and skin conditions. That's the reason it should not be taken in a longer term. Another one is it's a guru in nature. So, when any dravya guru in nature, if it is continuously used, definitely it is going to cause problem problem, anagni. But one combination what they've done is idli which is cooked in a very you know, uh, vapors and it has become logo
0: after cooking that can be taken to some, but not the dosa uh, this is in uh, from astangradhya sutrasana 8th chapter itself so he he goes on to explain about those things which can be consumed on a daily basis sir please so definitely there are certain
1: drugs which is Ajasikarasayana um, or Nithya which can be eagerly consumed which won't influence the doshas in the body to such an extent that they will support the body. So such type of things they have been listed out. That's one so is Shali, then Goduma, Yava, Shastika Shali, Jangala Mamsa, Sunishnaka, jivanti Balamulaka all these things very clearly they are mentioned what should be consumed what should not be. Vastuka, it's a variety of leafy vegetable, Chinapodium album, and uh, pathya, and like that. But uh, once again, with uh, Chabula, Taminalia Chabula, that is patya Haritaki, there are certain restrictions. Haritaki should not be given to Vyadi Karshita, Marga Karshita, and one who is a Pitta Prakurti person, and it should not be given in a Krishadehi and it should not be given after the roga certain issues are there with this terminalia chabula and it should not be given in uh, navajwara like that there are certain positions or certain occasions that patya cannot be continuously taken or it should be it should be avoided so that's the reason but otherwise generally haritaki is known as patya patasya hitam good to the channels in a particular manner and particular quantity it can be continuously taken and it is having a positive effect on the body otherwise only certain occasions and exceptions are there that needs to be kept in mind then amalaki there are indian gooseberry mridvika dry grapes. so particularly these are all Dravyas, uh, and they are the best among their categories so those type of things are agradravyas, they have been listed out they can be used regularly so it can observe there saindabha is there in that category dadima is there in that category honey kshoudhra is there in category kshira is there in that category Guta is there sharkara is there, mudga is there, then patola is there, uh, very clearly certain things from the vegetable section, certain from the ahara aharaupayogidravya, certain things are very essential to the body, all combinations the acharyas have given. So these drugs, even though influence the doshas, but they don't influence the doshas or aggravate the doshas in such a sense that they may end up in causing a disease, whereas those things which are listed as to be not to be consumed daily they have potential to increase the doshas to such a level that the doshas can turn into a, a disease manifestation. That's the reason these things have been kept very clearly, it can be consumed
0: daily basis. Thank you, there, sir. Uh, if you want to give something like a supplement to an either a, a patient uh, to improve immunity or to maintain muscle strength or oral strength and immunity, how about say giving Ashwagandha or Shatavari or Guruji or neem etc herbs for a longer period of time, sir? See, all these drugs are having some potency
1: and potentially they can influence the doshas. That's why they are kept as Aushadas and these can be consumed on daily basis because they are having a rasayana effect. But still we need to be cautious while using them. So once we start using them, there should be some periodical checking or examination of the patient to assess his dosic imbalance. Once a doshic imbalance reaches to the normal state, then we need to stop this or withdraw this. Otherwise, then there may be some uh, issues arise out of these things. So these drugs cannot be consumed on a daily basis throughout the life. It is not possible and it is not the correct way of doing it. These things can be given for a longer duration compared to other drugs But provided once they um, ultimately that this doshik equilibrium reaches and the person is healthy in all ways, then we need to withdraw them to certain level based on customized practices which cannot be made as a somewhat uniform method for everyone that simply go on using Guruji for a longer duration, nothing will happen. It's not like that. Guruji can be used for a longer duration, maybe one year, six months, something like that. For the purpose and then they should have a, um, intention units there is something called nine rasayana. there should be some nimitta for the reason for what we are using these as a rasayana. so based on that we need to select a drug which is suitable to the condition for example black pepper it's very good if you go and eat black pepper daily basis what will happen after 10 days you will have blisters in your mouth pitta will get aggravated to such an extent even with the cinnamon you cannot consume daily in such manner. It should be in that limited dosages and it should be for that limited period. But compared to other drugs, these drugs can be extendedly used for comparatively longer period. But it cannot be said that it can be used daily for a longer duration means maybe one year, two year, three years. No, that is not a thing. Individually, you need to describe individually. We need to cut down or withdraw the drugs depending upon
0: the. Condition. One of the issues of giving, uh, for example, guduchi or ashwagandha, etc., for a long, longer period of time is that patient also becomes kind of mentally dependent on those things. And when in, in further he gets any disease and we want to cut down on on these, uh, then his mental dependence itself will cause some problems like withdrawal symptoms. Though the heart itself is safer.
1: That is entirely a different issue, but we know that you know, what are the drugs which are having the capacity to cause a drug dependency, when it comes to ashwagandha, shatavari, guduchi, or nimba, all these things, we don't find them under this category and they don't fall under the category of they cause a drug dependency, if the withdrawal things are there, there will be some withdrawal symptoms, no, no such things with this, it's only an individual feeling that uh, something was there when I was thinking it till yesterday. Suddenly from today I stopped it and where I am feeling that I am losing something. So it is only a person's feeling. In those situations better that once you feel that patient doesn't require these things, you can shift on to the other drugs, other suitable rasayanas. For example, when a patient you feel that he may develop such type of depression or some anxiety. After when you stop and you stop these things, as complaining that there will be some sort of uh, feeling of weakness and all those things, then you just he needs uh, something called a placebo effect. Later on, then you you just another way of uh, supporting is uh, mentally assigning concept. You give Shankapushpi, you give Brahmi, you explain them. This is very good for your brain, and I'm giving this one.
0: And automatically his concentration from the Ashwagandha will be shipped on to Brahmi and really quite normal. Using her in a rotation manner is also a strategy there and there's a question related to this that Shukta is mentioned, Sh- Shukta or fermented gruel is mentioned as something which should not be taken on a daily basis but I see fermented gruel in the, in, the, in the not to be taken on a daily basis list but currently fermented foods are trending in which fermented ganji in the form of millets rice pickles are helping the microbiome in the gut so what's your take on that sir see microbiotics in the gut is being supported
1: by not by these fermented things but it is from the lactobacillus and as such type of things fermented things are good to some extent but if you go on consuming daily basis then there will be a problem that will going to cause pitta vardhaka in the body and lakshanas of pitta and kapha involving and allergic reactions skin manifestations various joint disorders may start up so we should be cautious in that that it should be consumed to such a level that it should not increase the pitta to a boundary or push the pitta to such a boundary that it manifests into a disease, it should not be done. Uh,
0: so that concludes the topics that uh, we had listed, and we have already sat for one hour. So thank you all the participants for your interesting questions. If you have any further uh, doubts on this, you can email me or uh, send those questions to me. I will line up for the further Guru Bodha session. So thank you all, and on on behalf of all the students, big thank you for Guruji sir. Thank you sir. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you, thank you one and all for your uh, participation as well as uh, patient listening. Thank you once again. So see you all in the next session. Namaste.